You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. You are listening to The Uncommon Podcast, and I'm your host, Philip. Hey, I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in. Grateful to have you on the show, Ryan Garvey. Oh, holy Thank cow. You. Yeah, you know. Grateful to be here. We haven't done this for a while, so I just thought I would welcome you back. Yeah, yeah a week off, hiatus. A little hiatus. I missed it. The mic was a little cold, but. It was. And it took Warm breath is warming it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Uh, hey. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I got a question for you. A, a generative question. A generative. So you can't answer it yes or no or fine or good. Okay. Got to think. So okay. the question for you, Phil, is what has been the best part of your day today? Oh, man. I know exactly what it has been. Perfect. Uh, I played pickleball this morning. Uh, started at 7 o'clock this morning. Got up 6.15. Got over. Played a little pickleball. But it was a different kind of pickleball than I'm normally playing. Played with an actual pickle? Well, no. That'd be crazy. Actually, That'd be uncommon. It would be. <laughs> um, so, what I did was there's a group of people. There's actually 18 people. All right. And uh, went to one court. There's four courts within this area, two tennis courts. They kind of divide it up. If you play pickleball, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, it's called the corporate ladder. Okay. They play it every Thursday. And when you go, you get a little piece of paper. And then you play, and depending on which court you're playing is depending on the points that you're going to be getting hmm. for that game. So, in the worst court, you either can win one point. If you lose, you get one point. If you win, you get two points. And then you move up to the next one. And the people that have played uh, on the court number three, number one was the worst, the ones that lost go down to court number two. So, you're gotcha. constantly planning and rotating. But when you go up to court number two and you win, you get four points if you lose you get three points and you have to move down the court so there's all these different mixing and matching mm -hmm. anyway the whole premise is to try to get as many points as you can but if you're on the court number four which is the highest court uh and you win you get eight points and if you lose you get seven points you have to move down but if you keep winning you get to pick your partner so you're trying to get as many points as you can and then at the end of the whole week there'll be a ceo and a cfo and that will be awarded for next week. So Thursday will come and then there'll be a CEO. They'll be awarded. They get the shirt uh, and then they get to pick who they want to be on their team. And then you go again. So kind of fun. Well, that was how'd, my you, fun how'd you do? Are you CEO? I was not CEO. I've been working up. Uh, actually, <laughs> climbing the ladder. I've been cl climbing the corporate ladder, as they say, um, and had a decent day today. Nice. Uh, but it is tough. Like when you first start, like you have to kind of go on the bottom. You have to work your way up. Oh, yeah. You start um, in the, uh, the copy room. You do, you do. And, <laughs> You're an intern. And, and Eric Baker is up top. And so Ooh, we were super yeah. excited. We were going to play together. Uh, we were so close. And then uh, we, we did not playing together. So, but it was the highlight of my day. Pretty good. Awesome. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Three minutes in the show. There's what you got. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got to stop. We got to stop. We got to recheck. We got to, we got to figure out where we're going. This is what we're going to do. 
testimonies. One of our six core pillars is uh, fervent faith. Mm-hmm. And faith to me is is a huge thing. I know it is for you, Ryan. In fact, it's probably the most encompassing of all the pillars, this intertwining of faith. So today we thought we would talk about our testimonies. Yeah. What is your God story? Yes. I love these. I love sure. God stories. I think it says a lot about, a peop- about people. Uh, in fact, I've been I've led Bible studies, my wife and I, for many years. And we do these things called hot seats, but really what it is is just your God story, your mm-hmm. testimony. Uh, and in these hot seats, we call them hot seats because there can be no question off limits. You can ask whatever question you oh, want. No. You have to answer it. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're in the hot seat today, but yeah, that's what we like do. <laughs> and uh, the point I'm making here is there is times where I don't resonate with some maybe people in our connection group, but after hearing their God story, I'm like, oh, that's revealing, mm-hmm. right? Because you can tell a lot about a person from their upbringing and how they came to faith and and just their all that stuff. So, Ryan, it's your turn today to Sweet. talk about your testimony. Can't wait. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned upbringing. I guess that's a good place to start. I'll get in the Wayback Machine and try to remember uh, what life was like for little Ryan growing up. Oh, little Ryan. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I am blessed to have grown up in a Christian family. So mom, dad, and then got a younger brother, younger sister, and my parents are still married today, which is pretty uncommon. Very uncommon. Yeah. So I grew up in small town Iowa. Uh, shout out Reedland, Iowa, probably population like 800 17. people. Reedland. <laughs> yeah. um, yep. I've never heard of that place. So it's it's pretty close to Waverly, Iowa, which oh, people okay. have heard of because yeah. of uh, Wartburg College. Yeah. Go Knights. But, uh, and I actually lived in Waverly for a stint as well. Just I'm just making the rounds of small town northern Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up uh, or spent my early childhood years there and went to a Lutheran elementary school and yeah just grew up in church we actually went to church in Waverly even while we lived in Reedland but yeah I think uh my both my parents I would say they modeled Christ-like love towards me and my siblings but even as I got older and as I kind of reflect back I can see how my parents struggled uh with their faith Mm -hmm. um and even just kind of asking the question, like how much of our kind of religious uh, practices were motivated by like their personal relationship with Christ versus just like wanting us to be in church because they thought it was good for us. Mm. That's kind of a question that I, I ponder as I reflect. But yeah, I can look back on my childhood fondly and know that I experienced strong Christian community, really strong community at, my church in Waverly and my parents, you know, they would have friends over and we would go over to other families' houses. And so just, yeah, I could look back on that time and it was really good. And while I know that I asked Jesus into my heart at a young age, I don't know that I fully understood like the ramifications uh, of that decision um, or truly, you know, quote unquote, counted the cost of like following God and in surrendering my life to him. So flash forward from early childhood years to college, it's probably when it all kind of came to a head. So I, in my sophomore year at the university of Iowa, I was actually in my first like ever dating relationship, like didn't date in high school at all. I was actually terrified of girls. That's a, that's a whole different episode. (laughs) We can get into that, but yeah, I was dating my first girlfriend and 
um, after about a year. What college you go to? Iowa, baby. Okay. Go U Hawkeyes. UI. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. So after about a year of dating, we broke up and um, it was definitely de- a devastating experience. I was, you know, called myself a Christian and she did not come from a uh, religious or spiritual background. Not to say that she was opposed to it necessarily, um, but it wasn't anything that she was living out. And while we were dating, like you weren't I, either, I wasn't either. Right. Yeah. Um, and even to get authentic and real, like we, yeah, we were sleeping together and, and I was also like struggling with pornography like during mm. that time. And so purity was huge issue. Yeah. Furthest thing from my mind, uh, really. And so when that breakup happened, um, it was just a lot of hurt, obviously a lot of confusion. I think, in our society, you grow up and you hear so much about, you know, finding quote unquote true love. Mm-hmm. And I even just like laugh at some of the shows that are on today, like Love is Blind or Love at First Sight or even just the whole Bachelor thing. And, oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll admit it. I, I watch those <laughs> because they're just like fascinating. It's a train wreck yeah. that you can't stop watching. Yeah, they're fascinating just social experiences. and um, But I think I bring that up because we're just sold you know a bill of goods so early on like you've got to find that person Mm -hmm. and once you do like your life is complete and there's just so much desperation around it that i think it's it's created a trend of like people will just try to find it in the quickest way Mm -hmm. and and not in like healthy ways so but i'll hop off my soapbox (laughs) for that but i i bring that up because like that's how I can relate to that because here I was a 21 year old guy, um, <laughs> call myself a college boy really. Yeah. And I had found what I thought was that ultimate love and to have it one day. And then the next day it's like gone. That is like such a bizarre wow. broken experience. And so I, when I tell my story, I always reflect on one night in particular you know, after several months after the breakup, after trying to self-medicate with partying and drinking and, you know, chasing girls, um, I was in my my house that I lived in with like five other guys. I was in my room, you know, alone on like a Friday night. All my roommates were out uh, having a good time or whatever. And I think at, at that point, I just couldn't bring myself to like another night just at the bar. And yeah. Just feeling Same so old. empty. Uh, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't uh, making me feel any better. Definitely not fulfilling. Right. Although right. you tried to fill every exactly. compartment. Yeah, just that self-medicating. Try to distract myself from the, the grief and the pain. Yeah. And so I'm in my room alone and just feeling sorry for myself. And How I, far, how long, how long had gone by since you since the breakup? Yeah. I think just a few months. Okay. We broke up in like but the months. fall. Yeah. Okay. And it was probably the winter. That's probably another reason why I didn't want to go out. It's probably bitterly freezing. cold. <laughs> it's freezing. Yeah, self-preservation. Um, but I remember I was just sitting on my bed um, and I looked over at my bookshelf and I just saw this book uh, and it was a book that my mom had given me. And I kind of, I walked over to the bookshelf and took the book off and uh, it was this book called Hard to Believe. It's by Pastor John MacArthur, if you're familiar oh, yeah. with him, uh, I think Grace Church. Um 
but for yeah for whatever reason i was just compelled to open up that book and i just started reading it and immediately it's like the words were jumping off the page uh, Mm. at me um and i even want to share a quick excerpt if i might um so yeah even in the intro this is what he writes it says do you want to be forgiven of all your sins freed from judgment and eternal punishment to be rescued from satan's power to become a beloved child of god and to be lavishly enriched forever with wonders and astonishing experiences in the limitless joys of eternal heaven sounds pretty yes awesome yes, good, I'd like too that. good to be true even yeah. uh and he says if your answer is no give this book to someone else so i think even the fact that he wrote that i was like well i'll prove him wrong yeah uh he's like if your answer is yes and keep reading and so i think i just in that moment asked myself like ryan do you truly want these things and i realized i did so i kept on reading and as i read there were just a couple different verses and passages that like God used to really speak into what I was feeling. I'll share a couple of those. Um, So second Timothy three verses one and two says dangerous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves. Uh, And I realized like I viewed myself how most people view themselves as like a pretty good person. Uh, But when I reflected honestly, like I knew that I was living selfishly and I really only cared about myself. And I also realized that while I missed my girlfriend and like being in that relationship, like I hadn't truly loved her. It was all transactional. Mm-hmm. It was all uh, conditional. And I felt like really guilty about that. And then another passage uh, is just Jesus' words in Matthew 16 says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And God just really convicted me that I'd never actually denied myself or taken up my cross and f- to follow him. And while I had grown up, you know, in the church and, you know, identified as a Christian and I knew the Bible stories, I could sing the songs, but I'd never really surrendered my heart fully. Mm. And I just wanted a God that would, you know, protect me, provide for me and promise me eternal life regardless of how I lived on earth or if I truly believed in like the atoning work of Jesus. Yeah. So I think just, I read the first few passages of of that book um, and I was just overcome with like the weight of my sinfulness, um, how I'd lived my life as like a fake follower of Christ. But God had, had really like stripped me of like the biggest idol in my life to, to date. And so I think I was just desperate to, have something better take its place. And so after I read a little, a few of the pages, I just like got down on my knees and just prayed. And I think I just told God that I was sorry for having never actually like counted the cost and like being a Christian in name, but not like in, in my life or Mm. indeed, Mm. Um, you know, apologizing for being a hypocrite. And I think I just told God, like my heart was empty and, I believed that Jesus had died and rose for me um, to save me, but here I thought I'd found, like like I said, the best love, the ultimate prize in this world, and then it was gone. And I'd grown up hearing in church, like only God can really fulfill you, or you know, hear like the God shaped hole in your heart. And it it sounds cheesy, but there's some truth to it. And so I just remember praying, like God, I've I've heard 
that you alone can, that your love is perfect. And I thought I had that in this person, but clearly I was mistaken. So I know I've never really given you the chance to satisfy my heart and my desires, but if it really is true and you're like really who you say you are, like, please do that. And, Mm. and I promise like I'll devote my life to you. And I still remember like while while I was praying that, just feeling like God's peace mm. and feeling joy even in the midst of like that sorrow and knowing like that God was doing a work. And it, it's not like my pain just disappeared sure, in a moment sure. um, or that I still didn't long for that relationship that I no longer had. And it, Certainly, my struggles with sin didn't cease right away. Right, um, it's, I still struggle with sin. <laughs> full disclosure, but right. I look back on that as like the turning point. And I don't know if like that was the moment of my salvation. If it's interesting, isn't it? Especially growing up in a Christian home. Yeah, exactly. Like when, because I know I'd prayed the prayer before, yeah, but I feel like right. that was. I just, I just, yeah. I feel like that was the moment where like I really was taking understood. ownership yeah. and like making that decision for myself. Hey, this is Philip and Ryan. Taking a quick break from our episode to bring you a huge announcement. Registration for our live experiences is now open. That's great, Philip. What are the experiences? I'm glad you asked, Ryan. We're offering two experiences. The Uncommon Escape is just that, a 16-hour escape that will disrupt your daily routine with a fun competition and exercises for personal growth. All while you get to know fellow uncommoners, you'll walk away with three things. Renewed energy and focus, authentic friendships and like-minded men, actionable tools to enhance your relationships and attain worthwhile goals. That sounds fun. What's the other experience? The other option is our Elevate experience, the one I'm personally excited about. It's a 48-hour retreat specifically geared towards men desiring to go further, faster, and have a ton of fun in the process. You'll enjoy unique experiences and elevate your personal growth through expert coaching and intensive hands-on training. You will walk away with three things. Once-in-a-lifetime experiences, a six-month action plan to achieve your most transformative goals, and a clear, defined sense of identity and purpose in your life. Wow, that sounds uncommon and awesome. How do I get in on this? Another great question. Uh, Use the link in the show notes and fill out your application. Once we review your application and you're accepted, we'll reach out with the next steps. We're only taking eight men on each experience, so get your application in ASAP and take that next step to your uncommon journey today. And there could be people who are listening who are like, I've, I, I, I prayed that prayer when I was a child and I meant it and it's yeah. been like, uh, great. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of people who prayed that prayer and maybe are betting on that prayer to do something amazing, but their heart hasn't truly changed. Yeah. Like this has happened. That regeneration that the, the right. Holy Spirit does. Right. So, yeah. And just to share a few other things, kind of what happened in yeah. the, the following months and, and years of my life. So, like I said, I was a sophomore at that point. I really, since attending Iowa, had not been part of a church. And I mean, that's clearly like a big reason why I strayed from God the way I did because I didn't have any community around me. And that's like a big thing we talk about here on the show is that radical relationships and that authentic community and like mentorship and accountability. And when you don't have that, I mean, you're just one sheep that is no longer with the flock. You're not with the shepherd. 
you're completely vulnerable yeah. to the the enemy's attacks and it's you're just an easy prey. I picture that National Geographic where the gazelles are all running together and then that one gazelle shoots off. You're like, don't do yeah. it. Oh, you did it. Don't you be did. a hero. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. a lion. There's power in numbers. It sure is. For, for sure. And so I bring that up. So kind of the what transpired after that night is I really just made a determination. Like I need to get back into like Christian community. I need to find a church. I need to find a Bible study to be a part of. Um, I know I, you know, my parents and my people that I was close to back home, they knew about the breakup. And so thankfully, they were checking in. yeah, thankfully I, when I would go home, like I could, con- you know, talk to them and I had uh, a pastor from my previous church that I could meet with. And he just, you know, shared truth with, with me and um, encouraged me. But I was able at Iowa to find uh, a campus ministry group called 24-7 and really stepped into that, uh, met some some other godly guys that I started having a, a weekly Bible study with. And some of them were even in a couple of my classes. So it just goes to show yeah. I'd seen these guys around, but it's like I, I didn't know anything about them. And so I started hanging out with them really kind of, it was, it was a weird time because I still had these other friends sure. from like high school that yep. I was now and your roommates I, and I lived time. with them right and so yeah they're having parties at my house all the time and I'm, I'm going to some of them other nights I'm not going and they're like dude where were you the other night and I'm just like oh I was out with this other so you just it was still very much like one foot in the world one foot oh. trying to follow after God and like I said it didn't change overnight but the more time I spent with these guys from my ministry group, the more I realized like, oh, I can I can actually have fun with good godly people hmm. and it doesn't have to be us just like drinking and getting drunk, like wow. living sin- sinfully. Yeah, we would have like a beer, but it you know, wouldn't get out of control. Yeah. That was something I never had because like when I grew up going to church, I would go to youth group, but all my friends were at my school and it was like, guys on the football team and guys that I'd go to parties with. But this was like the first time in my life that I had godly friends Hmm. that I was like, these are the coolest guys I've like ever known. I'm having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was like the most fun I was having. And I'm like, man, I didn't know you could have fun like not partying. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And these are guys that were in my wedding. Like nobody from my high school or college was at my wedding. Only these guys. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It really just kind of became... A, a, you know, just years of figuring out what it looked like to actually like follow Christ yeah. and um, to stay in, in Christian community. And um, I didn't even date from that relationship till I met my wife. So that was um, the last relationship before Victoria. Yeah. That was seven, huh. seven years. So that, yeah, even that I look back on it as crazy because I still had such a strong desire for like, that type of relationship for that companionship. Right. Like I didn't get married till I was 28. That was not my plan. That yeah. was God's plan. Yeah. And thank, you know, praise God. He did such a work on, on me and my heart and even my view of, of him and myself and even what a dating relationship should look like and a marriage should look like in those seven years. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for that. So that's great. Yeah. It's, there's obviously a lot more to it, but that's yeah. kind of it. In a high level. Yep. Wow. Interesting. It's so fascinating to me just how God shapes people's heart in its own, his own perfect timing. 
Right. And in his own perfect timing, it's obviously our perfect timing too. And thinking about being brought up in a Christian home and, and then basically finding it for yourself. Like there's so much power in that. Like you just don't, and I'm not going to point fingers, but there are some kind of faiths like Catholicism. I think that sometimes you're doing it because your parents are doing it. Like, and that's just what, what it is. And some of them don't take it. And I'd say any religion, not just Catholicism, but you do it because your parents are doing it or, or you're doing it because, but it's never like truly deep down in your heart. And so it's cool to hear not only what it did for you, but then it started transforming you in a way mm. that started getting fulfillment in Jesus and Jesus alone, which is basically what you prayed. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had my prodigal son experience. Oh, and yeah. like, yeah, the rubber really meets the road with your quote unquote faith when you leave your home and you're yep. on your own. Yeah. And yeah, suddenly like no one's telling you what you can or can't do. Like you make your decisions and you pay the consequences. I'll even say this of just like now being a parent of two young boys, I can look back on my story and while part of me is like scared because like Mm -hmm. I don't want my sons to go through what I did, but I also can look back on my experience and and know like as a parent, I can trust God to, you know, he's faithful to, to finish the work that he starts and it's not as parents, like we don't save our kids regardless of how Christ-like we right. might be, how, right. what our church attendance right. looks like. Right. Um, like that is a work that the Holy Spirit alone can do. And maybe like they, they follow God their whole lives and, and it's pretty great. I mean, they're going to have trials or maybe they like walk away mm. and it could be for like their whole life. Um, there's stories of, you know, Parents that pray for their kids their whole lives, mm-hmm. and in one day they right. maybe get a phone call and like, "Hey, I accepted Jesus. <laughs> what now?" <laughs> yeah. So, oh, dude, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I I had an interaction with a family. It was it was kind of God ordained, but at the end of the day, he he just found out he had Parkinson's. Mm. Just found out, and for some, I know the reason why. But we were all together with his kids and his kids' spouses. So his kids and then his his in law. What are they like? in-laws right like his daughter-in-law mm-hmm. son-in-law all that. Mm-hmm. anyway uh they all were talking about their god story wow and i i turned to him as like i i would try i would i would trade parkinson's if all of my kids and their spouses had had like a god story mm-hmm. like there's so much value in that like mm-hmm. parkinson's pales in comparison to having salvation for your kids. Yeah. Especially when you do have kids, you just know like, oh, I want you to have this hope and eternal salvation in Jesus because he's, he's so, so obedient. He died for you. There's a cost to your life. Mm-hmm. And in that there is so much freedom and excitement and hope and in a world that's not so hopeful. Right. Yeah. This is very dark. So anyway, man, great. Great story. I got so many questions, but I feel like <laughs> this is like, you got to kind of shut it down at some point, right? Yeah. Um, process. You got to process. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. You've been listening to another episode of The Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Philip. I'm Ryan. What's your What's your takeaway for this one? Like, What is your challenge? What's, my take- what's, <laughs> what's your challenge for the listeners? I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't have a relationship with Christ, like my prayer is that you are open to it and open to learning more, whether that is uh, opening a Bible, maybe for the first time starting to read, you know, in in book of Matthew or John, just in the gospel, like find out more about Jesus. Um, 
maybe you're really bold and you go to church on a Sunday. Um, but get, yeah, get plugged in. As yeah. scary as it is, there is no better like satisfaction. Yeah, and I think the only other thing I would add is like we're all coming out of this pandemic era, really, mm-hmm. where churches weren't meeting, and I think we all just got used to not having community. And it's taken even a lot of people of the faith like a while to get back into that. And I would just encourage you like just really lean into that and understand the importance of being in community. Even if it's just like for me, it was just, yes, it was going to a church on Sunday in college, but it was that group of like three or four just rock solid friends where I could just like share with them about the hurt I was going through, but also, and they could encourage me with the hope that, was available to me like in Christ and, and through his promises. So yeah. it's good. It's the best challenge ever. <laughs> so, so far knocked out of the park. Nice. I got nothing to say until next time. Go find your faith. 